0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today tra-der, tra-der, is Wednesday, September something or other. Do anyone know? Is it the 15th or 13th? 13th. The 13th of September, the year of our Lord, 2023. And Continuing our series on the war in the Pacific, leading us up to the decision by the U.S. to drop two atomic bombs On Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I want to give a shout out, of course, to my thugs, to uh, Celtic Catholic Bookstore in Oxford, Michigan, as well as Michigan Church Supply in Montmorris, Morris, and uh, to all my foreign correspondents. uh, Sabine in Germany, uh, Patricia in Scotland, Richard in uh, England, and Van in Canada so happy you're all here i gotta kind of dive right in today no long crazy intro because we've still got a ways to go uh and uh we'll need to take our time now i need to give you a warning right away that um the next show or two i'm going to have to talk about very very awful things uh there will be talk of suicides um and uh war crimes i don't know how else to say it i won't be talking about these things because i think that's fun but because all of this is a big part of understanding the japanese culture at the time and understanding the thinking in the u.s military as well as back home now you may remember last show we we talked about the uh awful things we were doing to japanese americans americans born in America of japanese extraction we talked about the um japanese battalion that fought uh right we eventually let these uh men fight and they became the most decorated unit in the history of the u.s military uh and that started to make things a little better for the japanese americans back home but uh even with that what i'm about to describe to you this news gets home um reporters are there and uh this stuff gets covered and the fruit of it is um a strong sense in the US that this is an intractable enemy an enemy that can't be defeated by conventional means a enemy like nobody else is fighting uh so What we're going to do is this is where we begin our island hopping and what I thought the best thing to do rather than walk you through a million awful stories is to give you uh, some of the topics that the military was dealing with. Uh, in these island invasions we're going to start at Tarawa, and i don't know how long it'll take us but we'll get to saipan and i'm not going to really go island by island in detail i'm going to hit the first island in great detail and the last one in great detail because well you'll see but one of the things that both japanese uh citizens or what do you say if they're are they citizens when it's an imperial yeah uh and american citizens dealt with was discovering Uh, American Marines, we'll stick with the U.S., losing their minds, Um, that there was not a point in the U.S. military history, including World War I, which was 800 kinds of awful, where Marines just simply lost their mind. Um, These battles were so horrific um, that this was a very real issue. More men went home because they lost their mind than because their bodies were damaged um and what did that look like it looked like freezing it looked like the inability to speak english anymore uh it's shocking to read there's a book called what our Fathers saw and gosh even telling you i'm starting to get choked up On one level i wish i never would have read it um but it walks through uh this man talking to now these 80 year old guys who've never, ever told a soul what they experienced. And now they're telling him. And you have men, like one of the men said, for three months of my life, I became a machine that just killed and ate. That's all I knew how to do. Um, uh, so you have this phenomena. For the Japanese, they did not allow men to go home when they snapped. But they did have a phenomena for about 12 years after the war, uh, all the way up to, the, again, the 1980s of uh, finding a Japanese soldier who still thought the war was on, uh, who gets home and finds out his wife is married. Uh, they had his funeral 20 years ago, and they uh, literally came up with a categorization uh, of called the they called them the returning walking dead. And it was a reflection of their legal status. They were believed to be dead, but also what they described as the faraway look in their eyes, that they were unable to talk anymore. Um, This battle messed people up, these series of battles. Hunger and thirst is an issue. Um, They're on the ocean, but fresh water is a problem. Uh, Men were perpetually starving on both sides of the equation. Um, And skin rot Uh, If you ever look at the Time Life series About the Pacific War You'll see almost every Marine is head to toe covered Their skin is rotting Um, uh, Disease, it was a big problem Um, In terms of the tactics of the enemy That really threw us Mutilation was by far The number one issue, Um, American and Australian troops hearing one of their uh, brothers or comrades being dragged away in the middle of the night. uh, And like in one of the um, things our father saw, this guy described finding the guy who he was in the foxhole with and they had pulled all of his guts out of his stomach and choked him with them. Um, and above him was a, was a sign nailed to the tree, this one took a long time to die. Um, the horrors Japanese troops were inflicting on other troops was one of those things for years people were like, what were they doing? Interestingly enough, um, one of the men they interviewed from Japan said, well, that's what they told us. They, our officers did it and would tell us, now you won't surrender to the Americans. Think of what they'll do to you when they see this, right? It was a way the Japanese officers could keep their own men from surrendering was by inflicting horrors on American troops so that the American troops would shoot you when you surrender or torture you when you surrender. This was a really significant factor in all the battles ahead. And again, I'm so sorry for how awful this all is. Um, surrender tactics uh, Numerous Japanese soldiers uh, They just learned Basically, and you're going to read this You're going to hear this They just learned they're never going to surrender If you see them surrendering, shoot them Why? Because they would be strapped with explosives And when you came then to uh, Arrest them or Or take them under They would simply pull a pin And blow themselves up and take you with them Um, that they ended up with an entire detailed policy for how to deal with surrendering Japanese troops so that you didn't get killed if it was all a trick. Um, You had this thing they called, the American troops called Playing Possum, where after a battle, there's corpses everywhere. And so you're walking over the corpses to get to the next stage when suddenly you find out a bunch of the japanese soldiers weren't dead or hurt they were waiting till you got in front of them and then popping up and attacking you from behind um they commented on over and over they they, they were very clear the japanese troops were superior to us they were superior fighters they were tougher uh, one guy talked about how I, they would they will sit danned in water for three days, just one troop, to gain a tactical advantage. Um, they used snipers in incredible ways. It let you get past. This was a big thing they did. The Mongols did this a lot, too, as a side note. Uh, let you get past them so you think it's all clear behind you. And then shoot a guy in the middle of the pack, and when everyone turns around and returns fire, they're shooting their own men. More Americans died by friendly fire, per capita, in these battles than in any of our others. Um, Firecrackers. They used firecrackers to get you to look the wrong way. And when everyone whips to the right, attack from the left. Uh... The key, really, the thing, all of this horrified the Americans and froze them in many cases. But the one they couldn't wrap their heads around, they actually encountered in the battle for the Philippines. Uh, but I didn't get into it because I saved it all. For, get all the horror done at once. Uh, a phenomenon that Americans called bonsai charges. Um, and what is a bonsai charge? Um, that is when a group of Japanese soldiers, they just keep running at you in waves. Okay? They might have guns, they might not. They might have sticks, they might have swords. But you're going to run out of ammo before they run out of dudes. Um, and they would, of course, scream bonsai. Uh-huh. And when you, they, they would tell you what's coming and how. All night they would just scream. They would surround the American position and just scream all night. And then in the morning, charge. And this is another case where a great many, well, a higher proportion than at any other time, American Marines just froze. They couldn't keep killing people. It it messed their head up. Um, These tactics and the news coming home really started to change things. As a side note, and I just learned this a week ago in a book I'm reading now, the Marines' recruiting plummeted uh, as these stories just got back, and and they became called the Suicide Squad uh, because of how many Marines died in these attacks. And you look at the numbers, and they don't compare to Europe's numbers. Uh, But A, there was less people. Like For example, The last month Hitler was alive, the Germans were losing 80,000 people a week. Okay? Um, You will not hear numbers like that because there's not that many people over there. And these are all fights on tiny little islands. Like when we talk about Tarawa, it's about half the size of Central Park in New York. It's not that big. I think it's 30 square acres or something like that. Um but this takes us then to this concept of island hopping. If these are tiny islands, where are we going for them? Really simple, we need airfields, okay? We need places to land our planes. Uh, And where's the best place? Well, wherever the Japanese have already built airfields, okay? So island hopping was at core a simple strategy to describe. You just hop islands getting closer and closer to Japan, waiting for them to surrender remember how shocked American military leadership was when Japan didn't surrender after the Battle of Coral Sea and um, Midway. The war's lost. At that point, no one believes the Japanese have a shot. And as I read you some of the stuff, the Japanese knew they didn't have a shot. So the Americans are still perplexed. Why aren't they surrendering? And what we're going to learn, they just won't. It's not going to happen. But the hope was we keep pounding, pounding, get closer to the island so we can fly nonstop bombing raids over Tokyo, and they'll surrender. Okay. Well, here's the key. The Americans are reading the Japanese mail. We broke their code, and now we're not even hiding it. There's nothing left in Japan to put up, in our mind, a serious enough fight, so let's just go. We're going to read their mail and not hide it. Nothing proved it more to the Japanese than our island hopping strategy. Why? We just listened to the radios, found out which islands they were most heavily fortifying, and then just didn't hit them. We hit the islands they were least fortifying, which uh, there was a letter a Japanese uh, um, military personnel wrote where he said, on one level, we cursed the cowardice, of the American Marines. On another, we respected the brilliance. Right? Uh, anyway, uh, the US wanted to ensure that they could take enough airfields to begin the process of bombing Japan proper in a fairly consistent manner. Right now, some planes can leave China and bomb, but China's still a mess. Remember, Japan still has hundreds of thousands of troops in China. And at this point, their position in China has become just slaughter. They're not trying to take land anymore. They're not trying to acquire areas. We are just going to kill as many Chinese as we can. Um, so it wasn't predictable for the Americans when they would con- could control an area where a bomber could fly. And he's flying a long way, so you can't run nonstop bombing missions like they're running in in Berlin at this point. Tarawa is the first island we're going to hit, and it exposed the flaw in Japanese coverage and in U.S. tactics. This is a battle that shaped the rest of the island hopping. Uh, What was the flaw exposed? Again, the Japanese armed the wrong islands, in a sense. We were hitting islands they did not heavily fortify. What was the flaw for the U.S.? Our maps were dreadful or non-existent. There was no sense of how deep the water was. was. The ensuing battle was a disaster for the U.S. and for Japan. Um. Tarawa, from Tarawa, the U.S. changes all of its tactics. But we'll take a quick look at Tarawa. So the first move of that was to hit the Gilbert Islands, you know, by hitting Tarawa. And Tarawa's commander had 4,800. Uh, men in his garrison they were super heavily fortified and they were dug in like every island the americans are going to bump into here the japanese have an extremely intense extensive network of tunnels so on november 20th of 43 american warships started just pounding Tarawa with artillery But it really didn't do anything. They just hunkered down in the caves. About 9 a.m. is when the trouble started. The 2nd Marine Division started coming ashore. The problem is the maps didn't show them a reef that was about 500 yards offshore, and the boats started getting stuck. When the boats behind saw them getting stuck, they just told the Marines, Get out. I got to get out of here. I'm going to lose the boat. And so you have thousands of Marines holding up their rifle to keep them from getting wet. And the Japanese have set up all kinds of positions and just started mowing them down. Uh, Within 45 minutes, the water was pink from all the blood. Uh, This was a disaster. But nonetheless, uh, the Marines did push in, get to shore, and start to advance. The first line of Marines hit the beach at noon, and they were able to blast through the first line of defense. Uh, How did they do that? We got tanks on shore, uh, which helped a lot. So in this area, about half the size of Central Park, for the next three days... The U.S. had to fight inch by inch. Uh, Fanatical resistance. Brutal fighting. Uh, And in the end, the U.S. lost over 1,000 men and had 2,300 wounded. Of the 4,800 Japanese defenders, 17 were alive at the end of the battle. 17. And they did not surrender. They just literally couldn't stand up to fight. The Marines described them lying on the ground trying to poke at them with bamboo spears rather than surrender. By the end, out of those 4,800, 17 Japanese soldiers were alive at the end of the battle. This is the point the emperor in Japan began to prepare the Japanese people for an American invasion. Now it's clear... We're not going to stop till they surrender or until we get there. And they're not going to surrender. So, remember, in their textbooks, Japanese children learned that American Marines had to kill a member of their own family to earn the title of Marine. Right? They are programmed to be terrified of U.S. Marines. Um. And the battle cry began through Japan. And this is what American bombers started reporting when they were flying over Japan. People would have painted on their roofs uh, 70 million souls as one. That was their battle cry, right? Uh, And the idea is, you have to kill all of us. Um, They began assembling massive suicide attack weapons for civilians to use. And they began uh, training them with bamboo spears and distributing them all over. Training civilians how to use them. And again, this is when she kind of, Japan flipped the switch. This is when China moved to just a battle of, uh, a war of attrition. We're going to kill as many of you as we can. And then the Japanese, I kid you not, invaded India. Um... They attacked the English positions there. Uh, The decision and the teaching of the emperor was, we will fight until they've killed all of us. 70 million souls as one. So as you can imagine, now we have Tarawa, which is a big deal. We can fortify Tarawa now and begin taking the next island in the chain and the next island in the chain. Japan, realizing the American strategy, has pulled all the troops. And by the end of this, they have, will have 2 million Japanese troops in Japan ready to fight, as well as 70 million souls as one. Okay. This, they're starting to pull in now. Um and the U.S., this is where the talk begins. Okay? Now, at some point, we're going to get Greg back in here to talk about this process. But back in the European War, what the Americans know is that the, Europe- the Nazis are preparing, uh, they have figured out how to split the atom. And this is leading to a race to see who can build the first atomic bomb uh why is the u.s building it two reasons at this point japan actually wasn't supposedly on their radar yet it really everybody was just waiting oh any day the japanese are going to surrender any day they got nothing left um they've still got all these troops in china but it doesn't look like they're willing to pull them out of china so you know let's just wait for the surrender but Hitler, oh yeah, he'll use an atomic bomb if he gets one, right? Remember at this point, he's got those V-something rockets. Do you remember what they were? V-2? V-2 rockets, which were just rockets that he was launching at Britain to blow things up at random. There's no, this is just spray and pray destruction. Um, So that's a side note about the atomic bomb building being built. The next couple islands, uh, the Americans had learned their lesson. They're mapping out every inch of where we're going to use. What, where can we bring the troop carriers to land American Marines? Right, If we can get them on shore, we got a good chance. But letting them just get mowed down in the water trying to get to the fight, we can't do that. Um, So we adjusted our tactics, the Americans did. And the next two islands uh, that they took, it was savage. But each time you're going to see the Japanese lose more troops and we lose less. For example, uh, in taking these two islands, there were 8,000 Japanese defenders. 100 lived. There's just there's nothing you read in history that prepares you for this. When you're outflanked, when you're out of position, you surrender. When you can't win, you surrender. These guys are fighting to the last man. Um, and the taking of those two islands began on January 31st and ended on February 3rd. Um <clears throat> they then went after a truck t r u k um and they saw the japanese fight like mad there and once again when you get there the japanese refused to surrender we're not sure how many defenders there were none of them survived um and this now, the U.S. has now hopped, they've got the Gilberts, they got the Marshall Islands secure, they've got all of this set up, and now they're going to go after the Marianas. And this kind of ends the island hopping, in a sense, right? The idea of, can we get that island? Well, we got them. Now what? Now they're going to start hitting, hitting Japanese territories directly, and this is going to take us to Saipan. Okay, when you talk about how are we? When you t- how are people doing? Gosh, this is also awful. I'm sorry, folks. Are people all right? People hanging in there? Okay. When you get to Saipan, this is the point where the American Marines and the American military leadership realize we're in trouble. Saipan is the first time. Americans encounter Japanese civilians, and it doesn't go like they hoped. It doesn't go like they thought at all. And again, I'm going to describe some awful things here. I promise you I'm not doing it because I want to. Okay. Uh, Again, go back to our beginning. It's easy for us to sit in our desks now in our nice, clean environment uh, and say, oh, we should have never dropped that bomb. Well, that was a terrible thing. And again, your position might be defendable. I don't know. I'm still torn on this. What I do know is it's not as simple as you were told. It wasn't, well, the war was over anyway. The war had been over for two years. The Japanese just wouldn't quit. And they made it clear we're not going to. This battle in Saipan makes our invasion in Normandy tiny in comparison you're about to hear about the largest naval battle in the history of the world um and a logistical achievement on the part of the americans that nobody thought was really possible this time it's the americans not the japanese doing something no one really knew was possible um if the u.s takes saipan and of course japan knew this and we knew it we can bomb mission run bombing missions all day into Japan itself. The Americans put together an invasion force much larger than the one at Normandy in Europe. It was a much, much larger invasion with a lot more obstacles. For example, boats that were going to participate in this were leaving from Hawaii. Right? The ones in Normandy, they're crossing the English Channel. These guys are going greater than the distance of the US twice. To get from Hawaii to, and you gotta time it. They did it. Um, The men who landed on the beach in Normandy were prepared for, at worst case scenario, three days without being supplied. Okay, that was considered the worst case scenario, so we'll supply them for three days. The Marines landing in Saipan were told nothing can get you for a minimum of three months. Okay, there will be no supplies coming in for three months. And the trouble here became when the Americans realized Saipan, uh, the force defending it, was more than twice the size that their intelligence told them. Okay? So here we go. Right, uh, This is a, uh, from a diary of a Japanese soldier um, that they found. And he wrote this the day before the battle. Quote, we are ready. We have our Molotov cocktails and hand grenades. We will charge recklessly into the enemy with our samurai swords high above our heads. All that worries me now is what will happen to Japan when we die. And this is the mindset of all of them there. We know we're going to die. What's going to happen to Japan? At 7 a.m. on June 15th, the U.S. forces led by uh, Marine uh, Lieutenant General Holland Smith, there were two smith here uh so i'm gonna just kind of skip about some names um they began landing on saipan after a super heavy naval bombardment and again naval bombardment did good at, uh, what's the phrase maybe encouraging japanese soldiers lost their minds right 10 hours of just constant bombardment now they're in the tunnels and they're relatively safe but that's not a pleasant experience yeah um so the navy had a force led by a guy named turner and to cover turner uh nimitz sent another <laughs> i'm sorry all these names i should just skip that so basically the navy had guys bombing the island and had ships to cover the guys by bombing the island how's that i think that's a quick way to put it because there's lots of smiths here big surprise so fighting their way ashore smith's men met Unbelievably determined resistance from thirty-one thousand defenders under uh, General Sado, Sado, Sado. Okay. Now, uh, the Japanese Airy, uh, Navy now threw five carriers to engage the U.S. fleet, and again, guys, they've got six. This is everything they've got. The Japanese threw the largest, uh, this was the largest, like I said, naval battle in the history of the world. Um, And it was a slaughter. Uh, The trouble for the Japanese was when their commanders lost, they committed suicide almost universally. I don't know a good way to put this. We called it brain drain. Is that okay? Is that offensive? I don't know. All of their best people have been dying for three years. And not only that, but the pilots, the Japanese pilots, we're going to hear about flying these incredible superior planes. Most of them hadn't logged 20 hours of flying. To give you a sense of things, for U.S. airmen, you had to have a minimum of 250 hours flying before they let you in combat. They're putting 16 and 17-year-old boys in who've flown a dozen hours or less. They have the planes. They don't have the pilots anymore. So they're just grabbing people. And as a result, they were going to... Remember how I told you way back about this swarm of bees attack that the Japanese did super effectively against the British. They were going to do it again. 600 airplanes. Okay, six. 100 Japanese Zeros launched and started heading for the U.S. fleet. Um, None of them made it. They did not make it to the aircraft carriers. They were mowed down. The battle is literally referred to as the Great Marianas Turkey Shoot. Uh, They were not skilled flyers. They didn't know how to handle uh, combat. This was a slaughter. Um, An American navalman, obviously exaggerating, but said you could have walked from one aircraft carrier to the other just on the ruins of Japanese airplanes in the water. Um, This was from June 19th to 20th, and again, the Japanese planes kept coming. When it was clear it wasn't working and wasn't going to work, they just kept coming. So between June 19th and 20th, The Japanese lost all of their aircraft in the invasion. They sunk, uh, let me see, three carriers and a bunch of submarines. Um, In the end, the Americans have control of the sea and the skies in the area, and now it's a matter of Saipan itself. And this is where, again, I have to talk about awful things. And um, again, not for the sake of talking about them, but all of that you're going to hear plays into the decision. Okay. So the Japanese Navy, for the first time that I can think of uh, since uh, Coral Sea retreated, uh, and they only had two carriers left and 35 airplanes. That was it. The whole fleet. That massive, massive fleet. Bigger than all of the ships at the Battle of Midway combined. And they lost everything. Okay, So they retreated to the mainland of Japan. And this is where you get to the Battle of Saipan itself. The Japanese fought tenaciously. They would not give up an inch. U.S. troops, uh, again, this is where you get them losing their minds. Uh, because they're starting to encounter civilians. And what the civilians were doing is choosing to die with Japanese troops rather than surrender. Um, and of course, they're not trained to kill civilians. And it led to a lot of situations with these kind of standoffs where you know there's 20 uh, Japanese troops well armed right inside that cave. But you also know there's 10 civilians, including women and children. Uh, What do you do? Um, And some threw the bombs in and the flamethrowers. Some uh, just couldn't do it. It was all a mess. Um, Civilians were killed by Japanese Imperial Army soldiers when they tried to surrender. Some. Um, And this is where you get to uh what they call bonsai cliff now as the americans advanced they found a massive group of civilians who began like they they've got japanese speakers and they're telling them we're not going to hurt you we have food we have everything you need and they responded but the fathers started killing their families and then killing themselves Mothers grabbed their children and ran off the cliff into the sea. Um, there's not a clear sense of just how many civilians killed themselves, but it's thousands. It's the thing that stopped the Navy from coming in. The guys simply couldn't drive through the water with all the bodies in it. They just couldn't do it. They froze. Um, this... As you can imagine, those Marines did not do fare well at all, watching thousands and thousands of women, children, and old men kill themselves rather than surrender. Um, at this point, the Japanese uh, resistance led by uh, Sato knew we done. So on July 7th, he organized the final bonsai attack. The Japanese officers all declared the next day we woke. The phrase they used is break the jewels, okay, which is what we would call a suicide charge. Uh, The Japanese officers all killed themselves. And then the men uh, of the army and any civilian men and women began screaming and singing all night, all around. And they just, uh, the Marines said they just were drinking, uh, what do you call it, sake uh, charging themselves up. The women stripped naked and charged with bayonets taped to brune handles uh, or the farm implements. As a massive group, thousands of unarmed Japanese civilians and Japanese soldiers armed with swords charged the American positions over and over and over. They started at dawn. It lasted 15 hours. They overran two American battalions before they were eventually contained and defeated. Uh, Saipan was declared secure two days later, and it was the costliest to date. 14,000 Marines were killed. The entire 31,000-man Japanese garrison was killed. And all the military leadership that were on the island. Okay. Ugh. Okay. I hate. I'm sorry. Right. Think about that again. Thirty-one thousand. Not one surrendered. Um. Let alone the thousands of civilians who jumped off a cliff with their children rather than surrender. Um. We won't be covering anything awful like this again until we get to the dropping of the atomic bomb and the firebombing that preceded it. Um, But uh, next, what time is that? Okay, I got to admit, uh, this is weighing me down. This is a lot of terrible things I'm saying, and I'm so sorry. Uh, Maybe it's a good time uh, to pause uh because it's funny i do find myself a little overwhelmed and guys there's a lot i typed that i'm like oh yeah i'll tell them about that and as we get here i'm like i can't read that um there's just no description and and how do you get here it's simple i I told you my prof in history at college told me this over and over japan is an island it evolved totally different than all other countries in the world right um what we're describing here is normal as far as their approach to warfare at that point. I mean, think about that. This is normal. Um, One of the reasons Japanese soldiers struggled so much with prisoners is they didn't deal with prisoners. They're not trained for that. Who surrenders? Think about that mindset. And then you have this phenomenon of, again, what are they told over and over and over? Uh, The emperor is calling you. You answer. If you're a Christian and you're listening to this, I'll bet you'd die for your faith. Well, so would they. Their God was Hirohito. Um, and that's what you got. Um, it's be an interesting thing. Like, Dad and I were talking about this. You know, those guys came home. Like, my mom talked about that. Her brother's coming home from the war, and she was a little girl, but she would hear them screaming all night just screaming in their sleep trying to at night and her mom always said don't talk about it right just just leave them alone and she said we never talked about it right they came down for breakfast and went out to the farm but she said all night as a little girl i could hear them screaming and screaming um these are the that's had an effect on us as a country you know it, it can't not have an effect on you and obviously, as we're going to hear, it had a profound effect on the Japanese people, um, and led to what is arguably our most stable relationship, foreign policy wise. Japan. Um, would you say that, or would you say England? I don't know. I'm sorry. I was oh, oh, sorry, bro. I would say in Japan and us, it's probably our most stable relationship, uh, international wise. Or who are you thinking, bro? England. Yeah, England. Um. You know, I'm jumping a little to the end. But when the Japanese finally surrendered, right after we dropped the bomb the second time, when the U.S. Marines marched into Japan, the first thing they commented on was all the Japanese soldiers turned their back toward the Marines. And they, the Americans, of course, were offended. And then they found out no, you don't understand. We're not worthy to look at you. We're, we're not worthy to look at you. You won. We lost, and I'm still alive. Um, it's a different culture. And we quite literally killed them with kindness after World War II. We rebuilt Japan, helped them become the economic superpower. I don't know if you can still call them a superpower, but because their economy is screwed. Have you been reading about Oh, my God. But uh, <laughs> it's not as bad as China, but... Um, so anyway, uh, I just needed a pause from all of that. And, uh, and again, I, I, yeah, it's, it goes on and on, right? Next, we got to take Guam, right? And when we hit Guam, out of the 18,500 Japanese defenders, um, 400 were taken prisoner, all of them injured. Um, uh, you, you can just, we can do this all day. Okay, um, they just were not going to surrender. And when you get to Guam and you get to uh, Tinian, you're fighting in the jungle again. All these other places, it's hard rock. There's nothing alive there. Um, There's nowhere really to hide except the caves. When you get to jungle... Um, the Australians were considered the finest jungle fighters in the world. And if you read uh, what our things are, what is it called? Things our fathers saw, you'll see the Aussies saying, oh no, the Japanese were better than us, right? We were tougher, we were bigger, we were stronger, but they were better at jungle fighting than us. Uh, We say woodcraft, rednecks say woodcraft. I don't know what military people say, Uh, but the ability to creep without being heard in the woods. The ability, the discipline to just stay in place for three days to wait for the perfect shot, all that kind of stuff. Um, All of this is getting us closer and closer to Japan itself, right? And we'll probably not get into the naval, remaining naval battles, because Navy battles, to me, are extremely complicated to explain. And as the war progresses, American technology gets worse. Japanese technology American technology gets better. Japanese technology gets worse. For example, when we fought at Midway, we didn't have radar. They didn't have radar. Uh, it's basically a process of find someone uh, and then get the whole group there. By the time you get to the naval battles we're about to experience, we got radar. Even our planes, every individual plane had radar. The Japanese didn't have it, Uh, which, as you can imagine, doesn't go well for anybody. I think we'll end here uh, because this is a lot, and I I don't like it. I don't. Um, But know this. This is when American military personnel are meeting. And they're saying, what are we going to do when we get to Japan itself? We cannot keep, we can't keep killing people. And they're going to have a couple ideas. And I think I'm right about this, but I don't know for sure. Right. I think about these things because I need help. We're going to decide to firebomb. Which I think is actually worse than the atomic bombs. And the body count would say it is. Uh, we're going to come up with a way of bombing that is beyond anything anyone has seen in warfare yet. The idea of, and I don't understand all the physics of that, but flooding an area with fire. Uh, not just dropping bombs, but timing them so that you can get a firestorm... Right? Literally, uh, tornadoes made of fire. Uh, uh, And when we find that doesn't work, that's when we're going to go to the atomic bomb. So uh, we're getting closer and closer to that. Um, But hopefully, you have a sense of where the military minds were going at this point. Um, The Russians, or what were they, Soviets, were hounding berlin um the access forces are done italy not only surrendered but now they're on the allied side right which they did in world war one too it's hilarious you got it's so italian right uh but (laughs) isn't it though i mean uh oh oh i forgot good lord we killed tojo at this point Right, Shot him down. He was in an airplane. And again, we were reading their mail. We knew right where he'd be and when. And we killed the uh, commander of all Japanese military forces during this time. They found him with a 50 cal bullet through him uh, from uh, the airplane that shot his plane down. So everything's falling apart for Japan. The U.S. keeps waiting for them to surrender. But each island, they gain a deeper understanding of the reality that Japan is not going to surrender. 70 million souls as one. Okay. So uh we will end that there. Um I don't think we're doing one tomorrow, are we? No, we we will not have an episode tomorrow. Um we're putting together a few, right? We've recorded one for while I'm on priest convocation. I'll talk about that next time we gather. We're trying to get our time set up for Greg to come in. Uh Greg's parents grew up uh at um Los Alamos, right? His parents were a part of the Manhattan Project. And so he's got some neat insights for us. And he's just a beautiful dude. I just love that guy. You worked with him, right? Greg Rasmussen? Yeah, I love that cat. Um, And oh, my brother Jesse's here today, by the way. His probation officer said it was all right. We're so happy for him. Uh, And it's his son, by the way, Chewy, that we've been praying for, who's in surgery now. Um, And please pray for him. I love that boy. Uh, pray for his wife and for his little squiggly and his soon-to-be-here squiggly. Um, praise the Lord. Okay. I don't, I want to end on something happy, and I can't think I have something happy to say. Isn't that funny? My heart's just broken. Oh, yeah. This is hilarious. Do we have time? Uh, somebody uh, sh- had a shout-out in uh... One of our viewers had a shout out in the beginning of the show to the $8 million Parker. Oh, nice. Thank you. Uh, uh, So for those of you not familiar, the public school built a massive, beautiful athletic complex right next to us. And we have a great relationship with them. We've met with them. We talked to them. Love these cats. Uh, But we have these two lots that are pretty beat up uh, and that people were filling Uh, when we needed them and also filling when we didn't need them, but good God, they're pounding our, our parking lot. And one thing every Catholic priest knows you're going to get sued, right? Like we, I remember when I was at one parish, we had all these basketball hoops up. We got a new business manager. He was out there the next day, taking the hoops down with a socket wrench and a step ladder. I'm like, what do you do? And he goes, we're going to get sued. And I'm like, I don't care if we get sued for giving boys a place to play basketball. Uh, and you know what we did? Some kid snapped his ankle, and of course it was because our parking lot wasn't nice. Um, but anyway, so we decided, well, what we'll do is we'll we'll ask for a $20 donation to park in our lots on game day. And I announced that on this grand blank Facebook page, and I would say 70% of the responses were super supportive. We're like, that's a great idea. Way to go. Uh, 30% not so much. <laughs> Pedophilia came up. Uh, pedophilia came up a lot in a parking lot discussion because that seems to be what we are anymore. Yeah. Um, what else came up? Oh, we're filthy rich. Somebody said we have $16 million. I'm like, where the heck is it? We could buy a gator. We have dreams of a gator or whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, wow it was a fascinating little discussion uh but uh yeah it went viral Jews love that when people are like let's make this go viral well if you say that then it's not viral viral is not planned okay um and viral is not a good thing like that's what always cracks me up this will be viral i don't want a virus do you know how many viruses we can kill Zero. <laughs> Zero Isn't that crazy Yeah But the good news is you'll be back in the parking lot this week Yeah this Friday If you want to come out and watch Grand Blank's homecoming game And pay an exorbitant fee Uh we'll take you in 20 bucks My plan My secondary plan was to charge 8 million dollars because then we only need One person to park there But turns out that's not a good idea <laughs> okay maybe that's a happy thing i'm so sad isn't this terrible it's just, uh anyway just think of what i mean those japanese guys were just they love their home too you know they love their mom they love their dad they love their country uh, our guys they love their mom you know i mean it's just yeah what do you do okay well uh so i will definitely see you friday for a question and answer session um and uh oh please pray for michigan state university i got some wonderful messages from you wolverines thank you guys for uh your compassion it's just awful right it's just an awful thing we're going through i got to meet with coach d'antonio tuesday i think or monday i can't remember and we prayed he's doing great uh coach barnett's doing great got to pray with him um these are good men um and they're gonna help us get the ship right uh and we've got a hellacious game coming on saturday i don't want to play washington do you want to play washington yeah you do michigan's tough this year all right salad pray in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen oh heavenly father we are so sorry for the violence we inflict with our words, with our hasty judgments, with our lack of mercy or empathy or compassion, Lord, we're so sorry. And Lord, we ask that you deliver us from bad leaders and that you raise up in every country, men and women, outstanding in integrity, Patriots who love their country more than they love their party people who care about truth and the common good and keep us Lord from using our precious beautiful God given energy for evil and ambitious people we were made for you We ask that you bless the people of Japan. We ask that you bless the descendants of the men and women who fought in All of these countries heal the generational wounds. We ask that you be with Chewy today. Bless the doctors caring for him and bring his family peace. And for any of the people, Lord, that we love so much and worry about and any of the circumstances in our lives that we fret about, we give all of it to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you beautiful people next week or or whatever day, whenever, Friday. And until then, frozen peas are my gift to you.